interesting news source report. Welcome to Freedom Speak. Truth seekers, freedom fighters, defenders of liberty, deplorables, lizard people, insurrectionists, and ultra-maga extremist Republicans. I'm your host, Becca Marie, and you are listening to Freedom Speak. We are unindoctrinated, unvaccinated, unrestrained, unashamed, unrelenting, unapologetic, and unafraid. On Conservative Talk, ABQ, KDAZ, 96.9 FM, AM 700, and listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. I'd like to invite you to check out my website, freedomspeaknm.com, where you can listen to playbacks of any of my previous shows, as well as check out all the useful resources that I post on there. And now you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. You can send me your questions and comments and get started advertising. By the way, I've got a couple more advertisers, at least two more coming on board next week. You can email me at my email address of becca at freedomspeaknm.com. Got a really packed show today as usual. Got a couple of really great guests in the studio also. So I think it's going to be a really great show. Of course, it's always a great show. So I want to tell you a little bit about a couple of words which I think describe what the communication gap seems to be between us and liberals. You know how you talk to them and they seem to hear something completely different than what you just said? And you're wondering, it's like, okay, what did I just say? You start questioning yourself about what you actually said. First word I want to talk about is misperception. It's defined as the fallacious interpretation of a given scenario or ideology. This fault is incorrectly perceiving something that usually stems from a person's cultural and traditional values. Their mistaken grasp of how things work in the world leads to their faulty assumptions and insights. Then there's misconception. It arises from an erroneous stream of thought and comprehension of a particular situation or idea. It is the flaw of forming a concept in the human mind which consequently leads to an incorrect view or opinion. A misconception usually results from a person's misunderstanding of things around them. Now, the reason I started by defining these two terms is because I believe that it describes an issue that exists when trying to communicate an idea to a leftist liberal. You may as well be trying to talk to a space alien. Where is a universal translator when you need one? (laughs) Derek laughed at that one. (laughs) Or maybe a babblefish if you're a, a, a term, if you're a fan of that show. Concepts and worldviews don't match up at all, which prevents you from starting with a common point of reference to base your conversation on. The other day I got into a disagreement on social media about whether people are forced to get the jab. 
I found that the concept of the meaning of forced to do something has a much different meaning to a leftist liberal than it does to me, and probably a lot of you. This all started with a question that was posted by Dr. Simone Gold on Twitter, in which she stated, who here opposes vaccine mandates? Well, I think that's a pretty simple question, don't you? I think it is. Apparently not to everybody. A leftist liberal responded by saying, why would I oppose life-saving vaccinations that have literally doubled our life expectancy, expectancy since smallpox? Well, number one, that's completely inaccurate. That's totally wrong. There's actually no real proof that the so-called vax actually prevents you from getting anything. More and more information is coming out to show that that is just completely a lie. And where, where are they getting these statistics? I, you know, I didn't, sometimes I have a little fun with these people and I go in and ask them, well, where exactly did you get that information? I would like to read that article. Typically after that, there's nothing but crickets. Did this person actually read the same post that I did? My response went like this. That was not the question. This is the problem with liberals. They hear something completely different than what was said. Let me restate the question in a way that you will hopefully understand. And it would go like this. Who opposes being forced to receive having something injected into your body that you don't want? That should be an easy question to answer too, right? After that, I received a response in which I was wondering if they heard the comment I just made correctly. The response was, who was forced? Who didn't have a choice? Hmm. And don't make assumptions, and, and she capitalized the ASS part in assumptions. I assume that she's calling me names at that point. About my policies, Becca. So let me break this down. One of the definitions for the word force, according to Merriam-Webster, supposed to be a trusted source, right, is it is the capacity to persuade or convince. I would say that that's an accurate observation. I mean, it is to me. And to be forced is to be compelled involuntarily by force or necessity. I think that completely fits what I was what I was just saying. People were told get the jab or lose your job. To me that sounds like being coerced i.e. forced, right? This exchange went on for a bit longer and I discovered that this misguided person actually believed that being told to get the jab or lose your job was not considered being forced. Leftist liberals have changed the meanings of so many words that it is hard to understand anything they say, although I have found that if you just invert the meaning of almost everything they say, you will have a pretty good idea of what they mean. I started off by explaining this concept because I want to talk about another word that has been redefined by the liberal leftists. We've all heard them abuse the words like racist, homophobe, xenophobe, misogynist, and all the other words that end in phoberist. 
Now they're redefining what a traitor is. What is a traitor? Well, according to the genius Michael Moore, all Republicans are traitors to democracy. I understand that what this self-important pseudo-moralist narcissist says is not important. However, the sentiment that he espouses has great significance because it is the dogma of many people in this country who hate America and or the American people themselves. Let's start off by taking a look at the official definition of a traitor. Once again, according to Merriam-Webster, a traitor is one who betrays another's trust or is false to an obligation or duty. It's funny to me that a group of far-left, morally repugnant halfwits constantly repeat the false mantra that this nation is a democracy. Let's not. Michael, let me say it again. This nation is a representative constitutional republic, not a democracy. We freedom-loving Americans are only traitors to your idea of a mob-ruled democracy. However, we are not enemies of democratically held elections. This country was founded as a republic, and the principles of our Constitution protect all of its people from mob-rule tyranny. It is you, Michael Moore, who is a traitor and an enemy to our Republic, Bill of Rights, and our very freedom, because it's you and other globalist leftists like you that have betrayed the principles of this Republic. The current resident of the White House, Joe Biden, has also repeated a similar mantra that conservative nationalists are a threat and danger to democracy. Because he plays president as if he is a supreme leader exempt from checks and balances, it's he who constitutes the greatest threat to this republic. I would remind Brandon as well that because he espouses the need to save the soul of this nation, that in fact this nation has no soul. This nation has 365 million individual souls, and he can't save any of them. The two main arguments against conservative people as it pertains to us being a danger to democracy are that we want to stifle people's ability to vote and that we want to take away the rights of women. Wow. Let's start out with the first argument. First of all, it's nonsensical because all that we conservatives seek is one person, one vote. As a Christian conservative, I'm bound by my honor and a moral need to follow the rules. Therefore, I vote one time. You know, those multiple mail-in ballots that I receive in the mail since the last election? I throw them all in the garbage. Now, if I was somebody who had no morals, no conscience, I'd fill them all out and mail them in. How many Democrats do you think actually filled them all out and mailed them in, I would guess the ratio might be rather high. In the proposed democratic system championed by the left, I could vote a thousand times if I'm willing to set aside my moral values. If no identification is required by me to vote, then I don't have to play by the rules of the democratic process. 
If I'm allowed to vote 100 times, then it takes 101 opposing viewpoints slash votes to overcome just me. For the left, this is not about conservative stifling votes, but it's about them being able to manufacture victory through the multi-votes of those who are morally bankrupt. The second argument is foolish as well. Because we conservatives believe in God-given rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness extends to all Americans, including those living in their mother's wombs. These little people, in our estimation, have the right to live as well. You say it's your body, but the moment there are two heartbeats, we believe there are two bodies. Abortion was never guaranteed under the Bill of Rights. Liberty doesn't include the right to kill others. You know, they, they talk about it as being, I, I, there again, they, they don't like to say that, oh, well, we're pro-abortion. They say, oh, well, you, you don't, you're against women's health care. No, I'm, I, I'm a woman. I go get health care all the time. I've had no problem whatsoever getting health care. I, I, I don't really see the problem. I don't personally don't know of any women that have been denied health care. There again, they're redefining words. They're redefining the meaning of health care. Health care, abortion. No, not the same thing. Abortion has not been made illegal in the entire United States. But it has in many cases been made less convenient, as it should be. And this is a good thing. The word traitor, as referred to by the Marxist leftists, don't apply to a group of traditionalists who want to preserve this nation, which in my mind is the greatest ever devised. The definition better applies to those who constantly use the word change as a synonym for destruction. So, hopefully that's had some meaning to you guys. So, I've got my guest in the studio today. I've got Derek Scott in with me again. He's one of my favorite guest co-hosts. <laughs> and I got Gerald Madrid from Gerald Madrid Bail Bonds. I bet you didn't think there were any more bail bonds people in town, but... He is the lone survivor of this screwed-up justice system that we currently have. So, uh, Derek, what's up? Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me again. <clears throat> You're welcome. <laughs> really appreciate it. <laughs> so, what do you think about this? How, and, I, and I've talked about this before. It's kind of an ongoing thing I like to talk about, how they're constantly changing the meanings of words. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, especially with the vote issue, you know, one of the things that people had trouble figuring out, right, was how did all these extra votes for him show up? Well, you just explained it perfectly, um, is that people with immoral value got those in and sent them in. And that it's like I was telling you, you uh, God, last year, the conspiracy, it's, it's the conspiracy of, of self or conspiracy of many 
right? It's not a conspiracy that they cheated. It's the conspiracy that these people conspired themselves against themselves, in a sense, against their morality and said, yeah, I got 100 votes. I'll fill it out for whoever I want, right? And then they send it in. That's why you were right. It's not that they cheated. It's not that, you know, our current president probably cheated. He didn't do it. It's the people he gave it to. Why did he say he had the most comprehensive, fraudulent system, right? I mean, the interview right. was right there. I know. Um, so it's, it's that. But you hit the nail on the head. These people were not morally correct. But I'll tell you, they're getting hit with a hammer over the head and the boot in the neck because they're starting to see all the things that are getting torn apart because they did that. And so they know their choice was wrong. And that choice was 100 choices wrong. And like you said, you need 100 or 200 people to counter that one person you know, sending in fraudulent ballots. And there has been people prosecuted for that, right? So if, if there's been people prosecuted for that, they didn't prosecute everybody. You can't, you know, because it probably could have been a million people that did this. So it's something that, yeah, I, when I've done my investigating here while I was running and stuff, yeah, it's very easy to just put them in that, that box for drop-off ballots or mail-in ballots, you know? Yeah. So I got Gerald Madrid here, and um, I, I wanted to get him in here because this whole thing with this, and I honestly don't understand this stuff, and I'm hoping he can shed, shed some light on a lot of these things, a lot of these questions that you, you guys probably have. This no bail bond thing, and, and they're letting criminals back out on the street. I mean, they're let, I, I don't even know, do, do any of you guys know that guy that, uh, that ran over the, intentionally ran over the, in, the security guard at the church? Was, which church was that, by the way? That, was, that wasn't Legacy, yeah, because everybody, some yeah, people said Legacy. Yeah, the article no, said Legacy. It was Calvary, Calvary. Chapel, okay. which was over, Calvary Church, which is on Osuna, and just, just uh, let's see, just, yeah, west of... I know uh, the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I used to go to that one. Just west of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> why is the yeah. word just... Whatever? Yeah. It's by Tanawan, I think. Tanawan, yeah. 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 And it's literally... I mean, this was... This was, in my opinion, it looks like a hate crime to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's this Christian hanging out here, and these people are traitors. They're lowlifes. They're less than human. They, they're, ju they're, they're something that should just be eliminated because that's what the current administration is pushing, dehumanizing all of us. And this person ran over this guy, not just once, but from what I understand, backed over him, ran over him again and again and again, and then dragged him across the parking lot, and then what, threw him in a drainage ditch somewhere? Uh, the Arroyo. Yeah, yeah, this is a hate crime. Yeah. This is a hate crime. No, this I is not agree. An this is not a hum, involuntary manslaughter or anything like that. It's not even a straight-up murder. This is a hate crime. What's your opinion, Gerald? It is a hate crime, and it's by a, a repeat offender. This the, the guy accused of committing this crime had extensive criminal history, and and but that's how the whole system is pretty much made up of repeat offenders these days. And it's something that I talk about. How does someone become a repeat offender? Because we hear a lot about that in the news these days. Repeat offenders. Well, they become repeat offenders because they're ne they're never they don't get the message the first time into the system. The way it is now, they're basically getting everyone's getting what I call a free pass. 
and they don't get the message. And I always relate it back to my upbringing. When I stepped out of line, there was clear boundaries and clear consequences by my dad. And I'm talking back in the 60s. You know that there was something coming when you yeah. stepped out of line. Oh, yeah. And we only did it once. And this, the, uh, the, judi- the judicial system today uh, is totally, it's, it's reversed, it's upside down, and there are no consequences. And again, it just rewards bad behavior. And that's why we as a society continue to get more bad behavior because those committing the crimes are rewarded. They're rewarded uh, with another uh, free release, a free attorney, free monitoring, free counseling. And that word free means that you and I get to pay for it. Right. That's what, that's what free means. Right. Because as not, they say, there, there is, someone's got to pick up the tab. Right. Those lawyers aren't working for free. Those monitors are not free. Someone's got to buy the monitors, which is us. The ones that we're not, you and I don't need monitors, but we're paying so somebody else can have an ankle monitor that they end up cutting off and absconding. Yeah. But you and I get to pay for the free stuff. Of course. And so, but you know, I, I can talk about this stuff for a long time, lots of different areas. Yeah. So I'm, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, wow. What are some of our top questions we have for Gerald? <laughs> well, I guess my question would be is, so the first, first thing is, is we should get to the basics. So how are you allowed? So since they've basically cleared out the bail bond system, how are you able to at least still function? And uh, Derek, you know, I get that question on a regular basis from people. Um, because the other thing I mentioned that on occasion, people attack me on social media as being quote greedy, uh, quote, you're in it just for the money. Um, it just shows how little they know because there is no money. The judges in, in Albuquerque in particular, uh, do not set uh, what we call secured bonds, and a secured bond is a bond that's, that a bondsman posts that's backed by real money. This is not monopoly money. Secured means it's secured by cash. So the judges in Albuquerque, Bernalillo County, uh, with the exception of maybe one judge, w- will not set bonds for any reason. And these are judges that used to set bonds all day, every day. They would set bonds when, when required. They were still releasing some people on a promise to appear, or also known as a release on recognizance. I call a promise to appear. But there were still other uh, defendants or offenders that were getting secured bonds set by, by a local judge. And these same judges today, would, I think, would rather resign their position than set a secured bond. Uh, the answer to the question is, how do I survive? There is no money in the bail bond business. I cannot, uh, you know, I cannot make a living in the bail bond business. Uh, I have other businesses. Um, I, I've, um, I'm an entrepreneur. And, and I've, I've invested over my lifetime, and, and I have a couple of other businesses and things that I do. If I had to rely on making a living in the bail bond business, I'd be on the street. There is no money, uh, contrary to what people think. Uh, you know, I've been ac- accused of getting rich off the poor people. Again, you're in it just for the money. We know how you Madrids are. You're greedy. You're in it just for the money. And again, I don't even dignify a response because it's so far from the truth uh, and as a matter of fact, my bail bond business operates in the negative. There and you're is, in no way related to that that other lady, Madrid. What was her name again? I think Patricia Madrid. Patricia Madrid. Or something like you're that. You're not in no, any way She was the attorney general many years ago, but yeah. no relation. Just the yeah. same last name. A lot name. of us remember her. She was corrupt. But I, you know, you know, and I do, I do post on social media on a regular basis, and it's all the same thing: jail, bail, crime. That's all I really talk about. I don't attack people personally. If we don't agree on something, I said, let's let's debate the policy. But I'm not going to attack you personally. But yet they attack me personally, and, and that's okay. I I can handle it. But I don't I don't respond though, especially because they they want to make 
They want to make this all about what money they think that I'm making. Well, there's no money. There's no money in the bail bond business. So that's how I survive. I have a couple of other businesses and um, that I that I own and operate, and, and that's how I financially survive. Are other counties uh, still doing bonds, or is it just because the whole state? Is there some other judges out there in other counties still doing so? there's a thing called rules of criminal procedure and those are the rules that all judges in state have to follow what's interesting is that again there's one set of rules for all judges the judges in Bernalillo County claim that my hands are tied I cannot set a bond yet I have judges in five or six other counties they're setting secured bonds all the time because I get the calls Mm -hmm. just this morning I well yeah this morning I got a call out of Las uh, Las Cruces Doniana County got somebody Jones secured bond Uh, last night I got a couple out of Roswell I get them out of Portales, uh, Gallup. Um, so there is other judges. Th- there are judges that are setting secured bonds. That's good. Uh, but but yet the judges in Albuquerque claim their hands are tied. Well, how, how come their hands aren't tied? Sorry, the, you the only bail bondsman in the entire state? There are a few others. I have a couple of uh, sub-agents that work for me. Okay. I have a couple other ones. But outside of my circle, there's, there's uh, two or three others. Uh, I don't think anybody does it full-time the way I do. Uh, this is this is not just a hobby. It's not something that I just do whenever. It, it's a 24/7 obligation to me. Um, and people also say, "Well, geez, there's no money. Why don't you quit? Come on, just throw in the towel and quit." Well, I'm first of all, I'm not a quitter. Second of all, when I leave, if I do, it'll be on my terms, not when the government decides that I should that I need to quit and go away. Um, this is on my terms, and I tell people that all the time. I don't have to quit. I'm here because I want to. Uh, I'm not a victim, like some people say. You know, I'm not a victim. Uh, I'm here by choice. And every morning I get up, I'm thankful and grateful I'm alive. I get to live in this country, and I have a, I have a business to go to, even though I have no clients, per se. I still go there, and I'm, and I'm there at a minimum six days a week um, by choice. There's nobody forcing me. I'm there purely by choice. It, it's a business that I built. I'm in my 39th year, and... Um, uh, I'm still charged up and fired and ready to go every day. When I'm done here, I'm going downtown to my bail bond office. I have my son there right now covering things for me, answering the phone. And most of the phone calls I get are just uh, people wanting information. That's what most people want. You know, they don't. If they knew how to do it themselves, they wouldn't call me. They're calling because they don't know what to do, how to do it. And so probably 95% of my time is just giving free consultations on the phone, uh, the ins and outs, how do you do it, what do you do. And most, most times, there's nothing to do. The person is in jail, uh, got arrested last night. He'll see the judge today, and he'll be back on the street this afternoon on what I call a promise to appear. And, and again, it doesn't matter uh, what the offense is. Uh, minor offenders all the way to very serious, violent, repeat offenders are out of jail tomorrow on a promise to appear. Uh, the, the system likes to call it a release on personal recognizance or an ROR. Because these criminals are very trustworthy people. That's right. And it's, yeah, ba- that's and it's, and it's it released on recognizance. It's, it's kind of on the honor system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, kind of, it, it's interesting that a lot of these offenders have a lot of crimes of moral turpitude, a lot of crimes of dishonesty, but their word's good. Uh, you know, it, it's, I remember back in the past, I'd be in court with, in front of a judge when we were allowed in the courtroom. And um, before I gave my testimony, the judge would have me raise my right hand and swear me in. Yet the offender that's in custody with very extensive history is, is talking freely. Yeah. I have no criminal history. I've never been a defendant. Uh, and so that's just how it is. But, you know, the, the court, I have not been in a courtroom since I think March of 2020. 
Wow. The last time I was in court, because the way it is now, it's all shut down. Oh, yeah, they still have it shut down. We've been having a lot of problems with my clients and other stuff trying to get, <laughs> just trying to get into court. And then when we get into court, it's on the phone. So then the judge doesn't even see the faces, which I think is honestly illegal. I really I think it's think a miscarriage of justice. It is a miscarriage of justice because if you can't see the judge, they can't see you. They can't, you know, we judge people on seeing each other, That's right? That's body language. Body language exactly. and everything. Yeah. But, the, but they're doing it on the phone or through this tiny little window on a tiny little screen. And it's like, it's very frustrating for us because, and the lawyer that I work with, it's very frustrating for us because we just can't fathom the multiple violations that are being done because part of being present in court is about showing that you're right or wrong, right? Or, you know, evidence being presented in front of you, you know, and you confronting your accuser, like like uh, New Mexico Civil Guard. They're not being allowed to no. confront their accuser because there's no accuser. They have no victim. It's just the state saying, we didn't like that you did a good job, right? And so we're going to pound you, pound you, pound you until you submit, right? And so, but from what I've been hearing, they don't get, they, they do it, they've been doing it only over the phone. So there's not even the video. So for some reason, they have to do it only over the phone. They have to do it only over the phone, right? But they don't have to appear, right? So the other people, these other lawyers and these other things, it's a faceless thing that could just be done. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. in the same location, Los Ranchos Gun Shop has moved to 6621 4th Street Northwest in Los Ranchos. New space, new inventory, but still committed to serving the safety needs of our guests. One block north of our old location, but still filled with no pressure. Locally owned and operated, proud of our commitment to service and community, and happy to support Talk Radio KDAZ. Interested in getting your concealed carry permit? Perkins Protection Training offers state-approved concealed carry classes for both New Mexico and Utah, taught by a certified NRA instructor, local woman-owned and ran by husband and wife team since 2004. Individual coaching ensuring every student learns according to their individual needs, complete with pre-class and follow-up tutoring. One-on-one, -on -one, beginner, and advanced classes also available. Mention KDAZ for 10% off class. Call 505-238-1214. That's 505-238-1214. Or on the web at PerkinsProtectionTraining.com.
Hey, everybody. Go ahead and keep music playing for a little bit, Mary Kay. By the way, Mary Kay is my fill-in producer today. I can, I can barely see the top of her head through that glass. <laughs> anyway, I'm Becca Marie. Welcome back to Freedom Speak on Conservative Talk, ABQ, KDAZ, 96.9 FM, AM 700, and listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. I am here with my guests, um, Derek Scott and Gerald Madrid from Gerald Madrid Bail Bonds. And we're having a little bit of a discussion about how people are basically just getting right back out on the street, regardless of their crime. This is just unbelievable. And we wonder why there is a rise in crime and violence and murders. This current administration does not care. They don't care. They don't. And I think this is by design what's happening. This is not a mistake. Just like, you know, the the panhandlers, the homelessness and all the things going on in the street, people defecating on the sidewalk and the the uh, the property crimes and just all those things. Because, I mean, the word's out. Don't worry about it. You'll be out tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Can I can I digress a little bit and give a very quick history on bail reform? If Please I, do. If I may. Yeah. Um, I think it's something a lot of people don't understand. So I certainly don't. The way this whole thing got started, the whole concept is that that there's a lot of people in jail simply and only because they are poor or indigent and can't afford the bond the judge set. That's how this whole idea got kicked off. And it started in the state of New Jersey, and bail reform passed there. And the first thing that bail reform does, it puts all the, the bail bond agents out of business. But that's by design. It's a government takeover of a private industry is what it is mm-hmm. without any compensation. Yep. So uh, so when the backers of bail reform here in New Mexico found out, the, you know, the, the quote successes in New Jersey, they brought it to New Mexico and again ran on the idea that the, that the bail bondsmen are keeping the poor people in jail. Uh, the bail bondsmen have the keys to the jail and the bail bondsmen only bond out rich people. Well, I don't know of any rich people in jail. I don't ever have rich clients come into my office because they have their own money and their own private attorney. They don't need me. Rich people don't come and see me. Right. For those people that don't understand, and I was, I unfortunately I needed a bail bondsman one time many, many years ago, is that you get this bail set for you to get, you know, to get out in, in, in lieu of having a, a, an, an appearance before a judge at some point in the near future and they set bail let's say for instance they set bail at five thousand dollars okay you go to a bail bondsman like gerald here and you pay him is a it ten percent ten percent still and you pay him 500 bucks and he he carries the 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 risk i do for that additional uh, forty five hundred dollars and then you get out now of course if you don't show up for court. Well, then he sends somebody like Dog the Bounty Hunter or something after you. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Becca, the purpose of bail is twofold. Number one, to, yeah. to uh, allow the person to get out of jail, get his life back. But most importantly is to show up in court each time until the case is resolved so that justice can be done. Most importantly. That's the purpose of a bond is to get offenders to show up in court. Right, because and, and, there are consequences for not showing that's up. Because correct. you will be sending out somebody to find them. We send out the dogs. Yeah, that's we right, the dogs. To, and and well, no more. But and, and it's it's funny you guys are mentioning that because if you think about it, it helps the poor, not takes away. See, and this is where the debate they nobody was able to speak to the other side. 
it helps the poor. How does it help the poor? I don't have five, 10, 20, 30,000. And maybe I'm innocent and I got accused of this and now I got to fight it in court. Maybe I can find a lawyer, not a public defender, which they aren't the best. I mean, they're good people. Don't get me wrong. I, I worked with public defenders. They're great people. But, you know, they're overloaded, right? So that's why they struggle to, that's why they do a lot of, you know, just giving, getting deals as everybody talks about. But he's actually helping the poor. If you think about it, you're helping the poor, not taking away from them because I don't have the money, but he's going to, I'll give him a little bit. And that's not a lot. If I have a little, it's like 10,000, I'm giving you less than a thousand somewhere around there. And here you go. And then he's covering it. You know, that's amazing. And like you said, yeah, it, you, you are, and I've always seen this because I've worked bail enforcement back up in Colorado a long time ago. And yeah, we, it was actually a good system to keep them there because then we're doing it and it costs less money to the state. So Gerald Madrid would have been saving the state money and saving you the person money. Think about that. So it's more if he's a philanthropist in any, in any respect than he is. Uh, a terrible person taking away from the poor. If anything, he was helping. You know. Well, well, let's look at this. Like, okay, let's say for instance. Now, what are they doing with you? You mentioned this earlier, but we have people being showing up for for court for any type of crime, whether it's murder, just like that scumbag that murdered the guy in the church parking lot the other day. Okay, he shows up before arraignment court, right? And and then, what happens then if if there is no bail being set? Did they just let everybody go? So right now he's in custody. Okay. And he's going to remain probably. The district attorney's office. Well, thank filed, goodness for that. Yeah, the DA's office filed what's called preventative detention against him. And that preventive detention motion that the DA filed and the judge granted is going to keep him in jail uh, on a no-bond basis and probably for the, the rest of the case unless he can have a lawyer come in and argue successfully to have him released. But the, the way it works now is there, there's two types. There's one of two things happens. The judge either grants a release on recognizance, again, which I call a promise to appear bond, or a hold in jail with no bond. There's nothing in the middle. And that's where we used to be. And when bail reform was being debated in the state back in 2015, the late Supreme Court Justice Charles Daniels, that was the brain of all this, he and I actually debated a couple of times in public. He said, listen, we're not trying to take take your clients, your business from you because that middle is what you're going to continue posting on those. It was an absolute lie is what it was to get us to go along with, with what mm-hmm. he was selling. So it's a release on recognizance or a hold in jail with no bond. Those are the options right now the judges in Berlioz County exercise today. And so I, I see these people daily because I'm still in my office. I get the phone calls. And again, it's everything from petty misdemeanors to violent career felons that are being released on a promise to appear. And the worst, the worst now, the latest fad is that we're going to put an ankle bracelet on the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. And, of course, so the first thing that the offender is going to say, off. he's going to say, well, I'm indigent. So guess who gets to pick up the tab on that? You and I get to. And then when they cut it off, those ankle bracelets are not like 10 or $20. Sometimes they're in the area of 1500 to $2,000. And once they're cut off, well, they're destroyed. Yep. You can't just super glue them back together and put it on the next offender. Yep. It destroys them. But that's the latest kind of fad now. And you've seen many instances in the press lately where there's offenders that are just outright cutting them off. Yep. Everything from sex offenders to people out on you know murder charges, uh, they're cutting them off. And they leave the state sometimes. So Oh, yeah. So the only thing that the ankle bracelet is going to tell the, uh, whoever comes and finds them is where the guy cut his bracelet off. 
That's the GPS and the bracelet is going to lead the authorities right to the bracelet. It's because, well, sure. he, he cut it off here on 4th and Lomas. So that's all we know. Other than that, yeah. we don't worry where he's at. Yep. But they don't tell him where he cut now, it off. Now, question for you. Okay, so let's say they get a court date and they get released without bond. Okay. Okay. Let's say they don't show up for that court date. What happens? The judge is supposed to issue a warrant for that person's arrest. Okay. It's supposed to. And Not a bench warrant. Uh, well, right. same thing. A uh, bench Okay. So yeah. from what my understanding of a bench warrant is they don't actually actively look for you. It's not like they put out an APB and everybody's watching for it. And no. You're, you're, no. No, it's if you, you get busted or if you yeah, get— You may yeah. never get picked up. That's right. So yeah. it, it's just— it, See, it, that's but, the difference because otherwise, if he had a bail bond, you would be looking for him. That's correct. That's exactly yes. right. So when, when somebody that's out of jail on a promise to appear does not appear, the judge is supposed to issue a warrant right then for that person's arrest. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to go into the system, you know, that day or the next day. So if law enforcement has contact with that person, they run their name, says, you know what, you got a warrant, I'm taking you in. That's how it's supposed to work. I don't know if judges are actually issuing warrants all the time. The other little trick that they do, though, to kind of mess with the numbers of how many are failing to appear because th there's always a debate about what is their true failure to appear rate, and we can't get the stats. What they'll do, the judge won't put it as a failure to appear. He'll just reset it. Yep. And so if the guy I've doesn't show that. today, the judge says, well, well, you know, little Johnny's not here today. I'm just going to give him another 30 days. I'm going to yeah, reset it. Yeah, another 30 days or so 90 days. So then it stays, yeah. in, it stays in, in the good category instead of going down in the failure to appear academy. So judges are doing that now, too, yeah. just resetting it. And no, nobody has a problem with it. And then he doesn't appear again, and then they just keep resetting it. And so that's how they're padding their numbers of the, what the true failures to appear. So do you think they're just resetting these things indefinitely in some cases? Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm sure two or three times they'll reset it and then eventually the judge will issue a warrant. But, but when, when we were writing bail, the way, the way the law says now, if somebody's on bond with me, they don't appear, the judge by law is required to declare the bond forfeited right then, uh, issue a warrant for the offender and send notice to the bondsman. All that has to happen that day, not next week or tomorrow. It has to happen that day. And I get a notice in the mail. Now the burden has been shifted to me, which is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. That's my job. Yeah. Because I put up the money for little Johnny to get out. So the judge says, listen, you want your money back? Go get Johnny and bring him in. And that's what we did. And that's at our own expense, our own risk. We don't get paid for that. Mm -hmm. But as the judge told me once, I don't feel sorry for you because that's what you signed up for. And he's exactly right. That's what I signed up for. Sure. When I you know, agreed to take the, the, the client's money, their retainer, this is all part of the deal. This is part of the package. This is what you sign up for as a bondsman. And so, you, you know, you better, get, you better get your duty built on and get the guys ready, and you got to go find him, whatever that whatever that consists of, and oh wherever. Gosh, I'm sure it brings back, back some memories. Yeah, I've, oh yeah. I've that, heard some that, funny that, stories that, about go get them. And yeah, so, you know, that brings but, back but, some but, memories see, for who I worked for. Yeah. But you know, all kidding aside, um, you know that's where we were good, because the judges knew that we had to go get him to avoid losing that money. It's a lot of money to lose. Yeah. And you know we're in a, we're in a business. We're in a for-profit business. This is not this is not uh, a non-profit. And we have to make money to stay in business. Yep. And, we, and that's why we were good. And, and the offenders that we bonded, we made it very clear, either you show or we're coming for you. Yep. And yep. they knew it. And now the, the, the message is opposite. They, they get out of jail for free. They don't have to. There's nothing, they put nothing on the table to get out. And when they don't show, they're not worried about anybody coming for them because there's nobody looking for them. Right. The I, police have too many. Are not, they're not actively looking for can't. people on bench warrants. They well, can't. and the police, like you were just about to say, police do not have time. Albuquerque Police Department does not even close to enough people 
they could barely like uh, they could barely arrive to calls. There is a person who is being attacked and through the window and all this other stuff. And it was a lawyer actually being attacked by a client. Okay, um, I won't say at, who. At his office or what? At her office. Oh, her yeah. office. So at her office, the guy shows up, pounding on the door. He because it's it's kind of an office building, so he got, somehow got in, started pounding on her door. She closes the door. She f- had to call her son to show up. The cops still never showed up. They didn't show up for three hours. Uh, it sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're facing. Oh, yeah. That's what we're facing right now. And this is a lawyer who's an officer of the court who used to be a judge, and she was attacked, right? But where was the police? You know, she's actively being attacked by a person who was a as a you know a, a, a terrible terrible client, and of course she fired him. But you know, it's still where are they? Well, how are they? If they're that short that they can't get to that type of call, this is what I tell people all the time. Then how are they going to find the bad guy? There's no way. Calls for service, you know, they're they're stacked up. I, I had one woman come in, it must have been a year or so ago. She said, listen, I have a couple of felony warrants. I want to turn myself in. I said, good, that's what you need to do. You need to turn yourself in. It, was, it wasn't a bondable situation. She got to my office probably at 8.30 in the morning. Um, I called it in for her non-emergency, Albuquerque Police Department. One o'clock, she's still sitting there, and, you know, she's got kids with her. And she said, forget it. I'm just going home. She left. Cop showed up about 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Where is she? <laughs> Uh, she got tired. She went home. She's got kids that are hungry and tired here. She went home. She had a couple felony warrants. And, and my point is not here to, to trash the police. That's not what I'm saying. But just because the system itself is has been uh, impacted so negatively, it affects every level. Yep. Not just the police, but the courts, but but society. Yeah, society. You know, we're told this is the new standard. You start pulling. You start pulling the pins. You know, and, it, and, the house and things are going to fall. Yeah, the house starts collapsing. Yeah, and that's where we're at. You think about the game Jenga? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, yeah. It, it started, not, yeah. yeah, either Jenga or like there's those pins, right. you know, oh, where yeah. the balls are on top and oh, you're slowly yes. pulling the pins. Yeah. That's and and it has to, just, just the weight of it. it yeah, and that's where yeah, we're at now in New Mexico. And because it, the system has been weakened uh, and attacked so negatively, all on this idea that the poor people in jail and we just have to level the playing field because equity oh yeah it's equity because they're they, you know they told me i hate that word uh, yeah. they're in jail only because they're poor well they're not my no they're in jail because they, they committed, committed a crime, crime. yeah there not because that's they're my poor. Own words. Yeah. right that's my exactly my <laughs> yeah. comeback every time it's like yeah let's go round up some poor people today because of our quote we haven't made our quota it's like no these people are criminals that's why they're in jail i mean the officer when he's going to make an arrest doesn't ask for a financial statement yeah. right. say let me go ahead and let's see looks how this looks up well, no, we're not going to get you today because, uh, you know, you're rich. We're just going to get the poor guy because his financials don't line up. Right, right. But that's exactly. the argument that they make. And believe it, got a lot of traction. And, yeah. of course, the bondsman got blamed. Yep. Because Gerald Madrid is leaving all the poor people in jail, and he's only getting the rich ones out. Yeah. There's no rich people in jail. No not that I know of. Right. I don't need rich people in jail. They Either they don't well, make those kind of mistakes or they have the means to, you know. You know where, where bail bonds was good also is for teenagers, okay, that – Made a mistake. Yeah. And I knew bail bonds that would help those teenagers. Once they got a bond, they'd take them on. And I, it was, uh, God, I can't remember his name. He was in Colorado. It's been a long time. But he would take a lot of kids' cases because he just, he had a thing for kids that were runaways or whatever, and he would take them on, and he would help them. He would help them out, 
and he would get him through the system and, you know, they would come out better. He would find them jobs, whatever. I mean, that was a community leader right there. You know what I mean? But did anybody notice that? No, he wasn't on the news, but he knew what he was doing right. Do you get what I'm saying? You know what it does? It adds structure, though, too, to that release. It's not just a free release and just go do whatever. And I kind of relate it to, like, fishing. You know, you throw your line out there and you're ready to reel it in, and that's kind of how I look at a bail bond. Uh, you know, when I want my client in court, I'm going to reel him in, and, buddy, you're going to be here. Yeah. Mom and dad sign for you. The house is on the line, for example. There's something at stake here. You're going to be in court. And so we add structure, and we're a liaison between ourselves and the criminal justice system. These people getting out of jail, uh, you know, a lot of, oh, I don't know what to do. Nobody told me. I'm confused. Well, I'm going to make sure that you know what to do. So you serve an actual real purpose in, That's this right. whole, in the whole system. And it's like without bail bondsmen, uh, these people may forget their appointment to be in court. Uh, they may decide, ah, I'm not going to go. And and But you're the guy that makes sure they show up for court. That's correct. That's my job. Yeah. That is my and, and main job. Now nobody's court. doing that job. That's correct. And so because that— Well, that, now the state's doing and spending more and more money on all this crap when they could just have Gerald Madrid you know, and others take we're, care of it. We're, we're a free resource to the state of New Mexico. We're the mm -hmm. best resource there is. Yep. And we operate at our own expense. Yep. Yet who, who gets blamed for it? The private sector gets blamed for Always. the government failure. Yeah. And yeah. then the government, they come up with their own solution to the problem that they created. Yep. And then and they, they, want, pour, they want a pat on the back for it. And right. they pour money into it, and then it doesn't succeed. It fails. And then they're like, well, we'll, we'll just change the name of the report, and then we'll put another money into it. Yeah. I've seen it happen so many times. And it's just amazing. But, but that's really, uh, Becca, where this all started way back several years ago, this idea that the poor people are in jail only because they're poor. And that's it. Yeah, yeah, and it has nothing to do with the crimes they've committed or their jail. criminal history. Yeah. It's just because they're poor. So if we get, if we give all these poor people a free release out of jail, problem is solved, right? Yeah, right. You saw what happened, yeah. and then here comes bail reform, and here we are today. Yeah. According to the you know recent polls, eighty-five percent of people saying crime is the most pressing issue in this state. Economy, crime, and homelessness are the three tops, and they keep shifting, but it's always, you know, crime, economy, crime, cr economy, crime, but it's the three top on almost every poll. It's always crime, economy, homelessness. So I wanted to ask you, Gerald, you, you touched on this earlier. You're talking about indigent, okay? How, what's the percentage of indigent people that are committing crimes? I'm just kind of curious. It, just a rough number. And I wouldn't know those numbers. I don't have access to stats. Just from your experience. Um, probably most of them are indigent or, or declare themselves indigent. Okay. Most of them are. So most of the criminals are? Yeah, the ones that I see, that I talk to. You know, they, again, it's, I, I kind of have a problem with the word indigent too, because yeah, what exactly is just, indigent? Indigent yeah. in what? Yeah. The, the state's indigent is just how much income you're getting because i i can i technically with my income i'm technically indigent sure. right okay. technically and you by wouldn't the have to you wouldn't report. have to prove anything you right so you don't have to be homeless to be you indigent. declare right. yourself indigent okay. is the way it works right exactly when you walk it's into the clear. courtroom you know everybody starts off the offender starts from the level that everyone is indigent and then it goes from there but there's no proof that someone you don't have to the the offender uh, or the state has no way of proving that somebody isn't indigent yeah. okay there might be a little form they fill out but there's no way to check anything out. Yeah, they're yeah. not checking your yeah. income. You no, can write down the lowest income, and they won't check you know, it. You yeah. know, I have no income. I'm living with my grandma. Uh, and that, well, absolutely, you qualify for the public defender. You qualify for a free bond because you're indigent. Mm -hmm. And we got to give you all the, quote, free services because you're indigent. And so everybody starts from that level 
that the whole state of New Mexico is indigent. But again, as I was saying, I have problems with that because what, what does that really mean? Indigent in what? In relationships, uh, in property, in stocks and bonds, and uh, you're, you know, what, what are you indigent in? And what exactly is the meaning of that? So I struggle with that term a lot, indigent. But again, it's a term that the state has put on everybody, and that's the starting point. Okay. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right because it it starts there and it goes up. But yeah, I mean, we've seen. But then, like I said, with the system now, and you know, so you add the bail bonds, then you add COVID. You know, nothing's getting done. I mean, the the Supreme Court t- keeps telling the states to hurry it up, get it done, get the docket cleared. You know, get these people in. But yet the judges are still dragging their feet, you know, and it's so it's yeah, it's like I don't think people realize like how much of a disaster they created by letting it come in. You know, it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. You know, this starts with the New Mexico Supreme Court and they get very, very little heat about this. They have complete control. They could they could clean this up today. Yep. They could. Yep. Uh, In the legislative session in January of this year. You know, you had all these politicians were going to put in the tough on crime bills. What is tough on crime? I mean, to them, tough on crime was uh, uh, enhancing penalties, increasing penalties on certain. This guy not going to do anything. It didn't do it. It didn't do anything at all. I just saw something recently where there were these tough on crime bills that actually did make it through had absolutely no effect on on what's happening today. And I and I predicted that back then. And I told people this is not going to do a hill of beans for anything. But it's just about the politicians making themselves look good and uh, keeping themselves in office. But the tough on crime, they have no idea what tough on crime is. And, and, you know, it's a one party state. We're controlled from top to bottom by one party. Yep. But there's no, these guys don't know what tough on crime means. And and they're going to probably try that again in January for the next session. It'll be a 60 day session, but I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, tough on crime bills being kind of put together. Now it's not going to amount to nothing. But the legislature and or the New Mexico Supreme Court could fix this today, but they refuse to. Yep. The New Mexico Supreme Court is made up of all Democrats, and they're they're not going to change anything. We're currently living in a dictatorship yeah. Yeah. in New Mexico. Yes, We've got we a governor that everybody simply follows her. Whatever she wants to do, they follow in footstep with her. That's the way I see it. Well, yeah. it, look at, like I said, it's you just got to look at, the New Mexico Civil Guard issue. You just got to look at to uh, Stephen uh, Baca issue. All these people are still being run through the courts because they can, because no Supreme Court or no appellate court is getting in the way saying, you guys got to quit this and finish it. You have no evidence. You have no, you know, there's, you can't, you can't even file a complaint against a judge. Like, like we were talking about that. Um, the thing with Coy Griffin. Coy Griffin. Yeah. Coy Griffin this 49-page judgment of nothing. Yeah, that judge And then they lock him out of his office as a county commissioner. Yeah. And nobody's doing anything. Where's the other judges saying, hey, this ain't okay. Hey, you can't make a judgment like that. There's nothing there that he did wrong. Where is it? No, it's all locked down. And a judge can't remove an elected official. No, I'm sorry, it's it's unconstitutional. It's unconstitutional. The, the, The Senate and the House... And the governor all have to get together and do it. And even then, there's there's procedures it's that they have to, to be follow. Hard to do. It's supposed to be hard to do to remove somebody once it's they're very elected. Easy. He's done. Yeah. He's out. They've ruined his yeah, reputation. They've ruined his reputation, his life, and just kicked him out because a judge wrote a 49-page diatribe of what I would say is 
liberal talking points from the news. <laughs> have you read it? I have not. Oh, you got to oh, read I, it. I did. Yeah. I read you the whole thing cover to cover. We talked about it in depth a couple of weeks ago on my show, and the whole thing is a just a... A, a, a rant. Yeah, it's I a mean, rant. It's a rant. The whole thing is 49 pages of ranting uh, and basically taking e- taking every crazy left-wing news article and news show and, and treating it as though it's fact and then piling it all onto Coy Griffin. Yeah. And then they and then the judge illegally put New Mexico Civil Guard as a as a violent hate group that's militia and all this other crap. And it's really sad because when you see that, that's actually a violation of the law. They have a lawyer, and that lawyer might be pursuing that judge here pretty soon. So they have a lawyer and have have gotten a lawyer for some of these issues they've been dealing with. And from what I heard, they're going to go after that judge because he had no right to put it in there. That guy shouldn't be sitting on the bench. He shouldn't be sitting on the bench, so they're going to go after him. Oh, yeah. No. Sorry, I looked the other way. Don't <laughs> worry, I got that part. <laughs> you mentioned quickly uh, the judges and all that, and I tell people all the time the judges are the problem. Yeah. Because they continue to promote this bail reform idea and that and that I have to keep giving these promise to appear bonds, release on recognizance over and over because they say that's what the law requires. And they the judges, they present themselves as victims as well. Yep. The judges are the problem. Oh, yeah. And I tell people all the time, the next election vote, uh, do not retain on every judge. I don't care if it's a civil judge. I've done that. <laughs> do not, uh, and I just, all, down the list. Yeah, do not down retain. the list. You know, I normally don't do that, but I will be doing that this time. Do not, every single one of them. Every I start single one the of Supreme them. Court because it'll start a whole change in the justice system. And we get Morris in. Like, we're trying to get. Morris and others, I've been working with some of the judges mm-hmm. and helping them, and I'll go to wherever they're going, and they've been going around the states to get Supreme Court and appellate court, right? So we have a whole uh, slew of them that we're trying to get in. Because, you know, I don't know if you know, in 2018, you know, they kind of, in 2020, especially 2020, they pushed them out. They didn't even let them on the ballot last time. So this time we finally have some higher judges that we can get in, It'll balance the court a little bit. I mean, we'll still be down one in the Supreme Court if we can get these judges in. But that that could still make a big change, I think, and and start they could start pushing and saying, look, we need to get back on bail. Absolutely. And so, yeah, but you're right. If you start putting down all of them, get out, get out, get out, that would start a whole new election process for new judges, new lawyers, and people that could come in and take those judgeships. So guys, we're at the top of the hour. And uh, you're going to stay with, what, another half hour? Yeah. Okay, yes, I'm, awesome. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying having you here. We're learning learn a lot of good stuff. Um, so what do we want to talk about in the next segment? I, I've got this thing here on these unvaccinated Air Force officers grounded despite court order and despite Joe Biden saying that the pandemic the is pandemic's over. over. So why are they still forcing these vaxes on our military? Yeah. And, of course, Kamala Harris seems to be a, a really, really familiar with foreign policy, and I want to talk about that a little bit, too. So we'll be right back in hour two.